Hey guys, welcome to the Bagman Broadcast, episode number 408. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out June 3rd, 2020. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're bringing you one of our patented trading policies. Uh, we're taking a look at Batman Earth One, Volume Two, written by Jeff Johns, with art by Gary Frank. Ooh, he 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 likes to you know cast his his, his subjects. Now we like to podcast about the things that we like, like beers. Yeah, that didn't sound forced, that- did it? No, you saved that weird. <laughs> oh gosh, story that's that I had. that's how it's saved. Would rather let it die. Uh, I'm drinking a beer that I'm not sure if I should let it live or let it die. This isn't like the last time I had beer on the show where it was at Hamburg Breweries. Oh boy, uh, this is something that I'm like, okay, it's good and I'm enjoying it, but does it need to be a beer? Uh, this is the Southern Tier Brewing Company's Ruby Red Eight Days a Week special release. This is their Eight Days a Week Blonde Ale uh, with grapefruit flavor. Now, their Blonde Ale is a very light Blonde Ale for uh, normally that Eight Days a Week. I've only really had it in their sampler packs, and it definitely seems like it's trying to compete like with a Pilsner uh, or a very light lager. Yeah, it's th- that... Eight days a week replaced one buffalo, which was the that was beer they they made for buffalo, which was kind of just a hacky Labatt blue. Mm-hmm. Now with this, I was excited to pick this up because I'm like, oh, a, a lighter, like pilsnery Labatt blueish with grapefruit. That sounds refreshing and delicious. Why? I don't know. Eight days a week. I mean. I'm assuming that's the Beatles reference. Yeah, and it comes or in like, an eight pack for like nine ninety. It was eight ninety nine. So where does the uh, the grapefruit come in? I don't know. Well, they're Drinking trying a, a Beatles trying, beer. I'm thinking like, you know, like a like a bitters kind of. Chris, on the album of Sergeant Peppers, if you hold up a mirror to the numbers, you can actually plainly read that on nine eight eight he died. So 8-8 eight, eight a week. And if you look at that album cl- cover closely, you see that Paul, who died, is holding a grapefruit. And that's where that's where the grapefruit comes mm. in. For, eight uh, a week. for the last three years, the biggest summer beer in our area here in Buffalo and in Rochester has been uh, the grapefruit Kolsch from Jenny, uh, Genesee Brewery. That has been mega huge and crazy numbers. Uh, when it first came out, it was a twelve pack for seven ninety nine. Last year it was eight ninety nine, and this year it's nine ninety nine. So Southern Tier is trying to capture the love that people have for the Jenny Grapefruit Kolsch, especially since that beer is not around all summer and people so stockpile it. I haven't heard of that before. Is that available like everywhere? Or is that just like a Buffalo Rochester thing because Jenny's brewed like outside Rochester? Uh, it's basically um, 
Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, okay. those kind of areas. and Like a central western New York kind of thing. Rochester, which gets a lot more of it, uh, I believe is already out of it because Rochester just goes crazy for it. Um, they would put like five big pallets up in certain stores and like on a pallet, it's like 99, I believe it's like 99 cases will fit there, which is two 12 packs to a case. They'll put them out, out on the floor on like a Thursday and by Sunday, they'll be half of one pallet. Like it'll get, it just gets blown out. Like people go crazy for it. And people go crazy for it out here because the first year, uh, it ran out really quick. The next year, last year when it came out, people were, when it came out, people were grabbing four or five, eight at a time. I had one guy, I said, like, I'm getting another 250 on Monday. And the guy was buying it on a Friday. And he said, oh, you are? And then took two more. Like, he was done. I said, I have more coming in. And then he grabbed two more. Like, people go absolutely berserk for it. So Southern Tier is trying to capitalize on the grapefruit Kolsch craze. The thing is, there's not any kind of beer. It's so artificially red, ruby red grapefruit juice that I might as well be uh, be drinking like a White Claw or something like that at Seltzer. Because there's no beer flavor coming through whatsoever. On that, that Kolsch, John... You actually get the flavor of a Kolsch? Uh, I only had it the first year it came out, and I thought it tasted like uh, you put a bunch of nickels in my grapefruit beer. Like, I didn't like it. So I've never gone back to have it, and every year people say it tastes better than it did the year before. Do I want to be stuck with 11 of them? <laughs> <laughs> That's my question. I'm, gu- I'm guessing no, unless it's something that you can pass off to your wife or like if you have friends come over and then they're like, oh, hey, yeah. here you go. Like nothing about this drink is bad. It's not a bad drink. It's just. It's not what you wanted. Very art- It's a very artificial grapefruit flavored carbonated beverage. I can't call it a Blondale. You know, it just nothing. It, it, nothing is no flavor is standing up to that artificial grapefruit flavor which is enjoyable but i got seven more or five more of these and i won't there'll be days that i come home hot in a hot sweaty mess and take a shower and then really enjoy drinking this but i have to have that mindset that that's what it is i'm I'm not upset with my purchase yet but i'm not happy about my purchase either how many did you say you had left it's, it comes in a six-pack, so I have five. It comes in an eight-pack, brother. Is it an eight-pack? Eight I have seven more of these left. <laughs> <laughs> What's with this stupid eight-pack? Eight days a week. Eight beers in it. Well, there you go, Paul. Just space it out over a week, and then you'll be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. Like, you know, but it's... I, by, Kavamtor, that's all I'm saying. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, Paul Paul McCartney definitely died and was replaced by Bill Shear. Um, so, there you go. Uh, my beer is also not bad. Uh, this is coming from Clown Shoes. Spoilers, all three of my beers for this episode are going to be from Clown Shoes Brewing. 
And this is their Eagle Claw Fist India Pale Ale. Uh, I didn't realize it when I bought it, but this is part of their throwback series. I just saw a label that I didn't recognize, and I was like, okay, you know what, let me pick that up. Clown Shoes doesn't let me down. And this isn't bad. Uh, it's just a regular kind of IPA. It's brewed with Centennial, Citra, and Simcoe hops, uh, 8% ABV. It's not bad. I put it at a 3.5 when I checked into it on Untapped. Uh, little did I know until I saw I had checked into this once before. I had this beer previously in 2012, so about eight years ago. At that point, I had put it at a 3. Now that I'm at the bottom of my glass on this, I would probably drop it down to like a 3.25. It's not bad. It's a nice kind of caramel malt um, IPA. There's a nice kind of like, it's not like a resin, resiny hop, but it's like that kind of grassy hop. I don't know which one that is. It's been a while since I've had like the, the different types of hops, like independent of each other. Uh, it's not bad though. The Gemini hops. Gemini was like that, right? Yeah. John, do you know which one's in Gemini from Southern Tier? Mm, no. Because that was like that was, it was like two. Unearth. What was Unearthly? Uh, Unearthly had. Unearthly was Gemini. Unearthly was regular and unfiltered. Unearthly blended together, wasn't it? There was Gemini, and then there was... Yeah, because Gemini was a blend of two beers. That's why I still remember what went into it. Uh, But this isn't bad. I only bought the one can of it because it was available as like a... Hey, grab one. It's four bucks. It's not bad for $4. I mean, if I had paid any more than that for it, probably would have felt a little bit burned on it. Um, But like I said before, we even started recording. I've paid more for worse beers. I mean, I've... We've been recording for 10 minutes now. I poured this like right when we first sat down, probably about like half an hour ago. It's not bad. Um, John, what do you got? Um, uh, Gemini is was a blend of hopped and unearthly. They blended the two together. Hmm. I don't remember what hopped was, but... Me neither. Yeah. We haven't made that beer, I think, since 2016. But I am drinking a... It, it was made with... Uh, Unearthly was made with Chinook and Cascade. Oh. That was the kettle hop. And then it was dried hopped with Cascadia, a Cascade, Centennial, and Chinook. Wait. So. Hop boy over here. Well, I looked it up because I'm like, oh, what were those nice earthly, earthy, uh, grassy kind of hops? And I'm like, there was something... When Chris said grassy, it made me think of uh, Gemini. I don't know. Uh, John, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I interrupted. No, you're fine. Uh, I'm having from Grim Artisan Ales, their Phantom Power. And uh, this is a really nice, enjoyable 6.5% beer. Um, the hops in it are Cashmere, Equinox, and Moteca. Um, which give it a nice kind of tropical fruitiness to it. Uh, I think my first sip, I was like, oh, it's like like juicy candy kind of uh, taste. Um, I only gave it a three and a half. It probably deserves a little bit more, but it's just like there's nothing really wowing about it. It's just a really solid drinking beer. But for the price, it's like seventeen ninety nine for a four-pack Tall Boys. Like, 
yeah, great. It's a brand new, you know, fairly fresh canned beer. But for that price, you're you're paying a premium and you're just getting a nice average drinking beer. Well, it sounds like we're all kind of we nobody lost today's beer. I think I think that's what we no. can agree on. Like we all just you know, I'm I'm more looking forward to the the next two <clears throat> beers that I have. But man, you know what something else I'm looking forward to is? Uh the what? the news? The news. Is it what? is it because we have one thing to talk about? Yeah, there's there's not a lot going on. Uh, a little behind the scenes talk for everybody listening. We are recording this on Wednesday, May 27th. We recorded episode number 407, the previous episode for this, on Sunday. So not a lot uh, happened. And 407 uh, came out today. Today. So, hey, make sure you like, rate, and review. Blah, blah, blah. And thank uh, Paul for editing those and getting them out on a regular basis. He does a great job with that. I've been really trying to stick to a Wednesday release schedule for this show. Yeah, it doesn't help when I don't send my parts over. <laughs> hey, they were there today in the Dropbox when I went to look. Yeah, so they, uh, they were there on Monday. I made mm. sure of it. Mine were there on Sunday, just saying. Uh, Thank you. I went to bed and mine was still mixing down because I do mine at a higher resolution. Wow. And also you do it in stereo for some unknown reason. Mm. Am I supposed to do it in oh. mono? Well, it saves on file size, and we also release the podcast in mono. So yes. Oh well, nobody told me. As soon as that's the thing you know now. Yeah. Thanks for telling and some, me. And something we now know. <laughs> John, you edited the show for like. Yeah, I just years. and I and I I put it out in stereo. But all our other parts were in mono. I just I put them all together and I shipped them out. All hey, right. you're the one who taught me. And it wasn't on my list of to change that, so it's on okay. the teacher's fault, Paul. <laughs> it is my fault. That's true. So, the news. News. Talking about a teacher. You know, a goblin king could make a great teacher, right? Because he's got the power. Stonehenge magical power. <laughs> um, yeah, we just found out that. Scott Derrickson, the person responsible for directing the MCU's Doctor Strange, uh, is actually going to be heading up the sequel to the movie Labyrinth. Uh, I think this is a good fit. If I can't have him doing Doctor Strange 2, I think him handling Labyrinth is pretty cool. Uh, Not that I've checked out any of the more recent Henson stuff. Uh, I haven't watched that Dark Crystal series yet, even though it's on my list of things to get to. But I don't know. Labyrinth is just like a big part of everyone's childhood if you grew up in the 80s and 90s so yeah i'm on board for this uh yeah i love i love labyrinth and i know that the henson book the labyrinth book has been really well received like the the retelling of it and then all the sequels and pre-store prequels that the comic books have done same thing with um what is it that you dark crystal all the Dark Crystal stuff has been really well received. And, um, yeah, I'd like to see maybe where it goes. Um, I I just don't know who do you get to replace David Bowie. 
That's actually what I was just looking into right now, just because, I mean, I'm imagining there's probably going to be a new Goblin King, but who who steps into that role? Well, I, I thought I read something. It might have just been Twitter. Uh, uh, Jan, I don't know her actual name. I don't know the person. Like Janet Molay or Janelle Monet. Oh, yeah, Janelle Monet. Somebody was really hyping that. Somebody else was uh, really pushing that Jennifer Connelly would come back and actually be the Goblin King now. You know, because she was you know, the full, whole, you know, story. He, she was going to marry the Goblin King. was supposed to marry the Goblin King. And then, you know, now years later, like, she is the Goblin King. And what a weird thing to, you know, have to figure out. How did this happen? You know, I don't know. That would be interesting. That I, I'm I'd be down for that, or Toby. Toby's grown up. Grown uh, up. Toby totally. That's maybe that's why he was taken to begin with. Uh, anytime my son wears like striped footy pajamas, I always want to leave the room going. I wish the Goblin King would just take you away and turn the light out, but I don't want that to happen, so I don't do it. But you just said it. it's going to happen now. But I didn't turn the light so out. Can I, can I do it? Or <laughs> would you get very mad at me? I don't know. Is, does Kate have striped footy pajamas? <laughs> no, no. Then when I come over and I... Oh, you want Kate to say that? Or no. I'm very confused. What is, it the th- what is the thing that you want now, John? I don't want anything. Okay. I want to know who's going to play Jared. That's all. I mean, that guy has some sizable pants to fill. Because you, you can see the outline of his dong. Night. No, it's David Bowie. Oh. I thought he was the Goblin King. Yeah, Jared the Goblin King. Oh. Have you seen Labyrinth? Yes, years ago. <laughs> I don't know if it's available on streaming anywhere, but... It's like probably one of the ones that I want to go back to. Oh. I remember the, there's a backpack creature that she's like, mm, you got to take this with you. Oh, don't forget this. It was like a series of nightmares that she's just going through. Yeah, but she finds Bluto. And there's a swamp, a very smelly swamp. The bog of eternal stench. Oh, yeah, that's it. And then uh, there's the head that lies and the head that always tells the truth. Yeah. They're door knockers. Yeah. Their faces really not to heads, but oh. well, you know it's got the helping hands. She chose down. They take your groceries out to your truck car. Yes, <laughs> if you're at the supermarket, yes, they do. <laughs> That's what the helping hands do. Uh, yeah. No, I'm I'm excited. I uh, I'd be interested in seeing this. I've wanted to check out. The comic books, um, so maybe it gives me something to do to jump on it, see what I can do. But no, I love Labyrinth. I'm gonna watch it now. I haven't watched it in I don't even know how long. Holy crap! It's probably been like 14 years. Because uh, one of my exes, just number one, that was like her favorite movie. I feel like you and I watched it in the apartment. I don't think I don't think so. I don't know. I watched it. I, I watched it in the apartment a couple times. Anytime I'd bring girls home, it's 
<laughs> so is one of my moves. We'll switch the lab <laughs> Boom. <laughs> does, does David Bowie's uh, outline of his dick get you? No. Nope. Hey, girl. The outline the of this dick. Let me hoggle all over you. <laughs> Huggle. Anyways, anyone have anything else that they remember to about news or is just that one story? Yeah, and- the, yeah that's it. And I I'm, would like if it becomes available for free someplace, I'd watch it. I would think, but I thought I would jump on the Dark Crystal uh, quicker than I have. I forgot that actually came out, and I'm a big. I was a bigger fan of Dark Crystal growing up than I was Labyrinth. See, I was a bigger fan of Labyrinth than uh, probably like Neverending Story. Like, I think those were my two like claymation fa- kids fantasy movies. Uh, no, I- was Legends uh, was Legend a kids fantasy movie? Because I remember liking that more than Neverending Story. I would I, say yes. I don't I remember like, much about it. But. I like Legend too. That's a good kid. Tim Tim Curry is a devil. He's so good. And and also the girl from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off in that evil dress. Whoa! And Tom Cruise, um, with it, man, uh, playing like an elf kind of creature person. Yeah, Legend. I'd go back and watch that one again. Dwarves with the mirrors to shine the light. Anyways, uh, it looks like if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch. Uh, Labyrinth streaming on that. Otherwise, it's only available for uh, purchase or renting through through things. It's a I have Prime. Legend is a Ridley Scott movie too, which is weird. But that's also why it looks so good. Anywho, open the wrong one. Anywho's, uh, why don't we get into the list of comic books that are coming out June third? Paul, what are you gonna pick up, bud? You know what? I'm going to pick up. There's an action comic book coming out, but I, you know, written by Brian Michael Bendis, but I haven't capped up on that series enough. So I'm going to wait on the trade on that. I'm going to try out this uh, Batman and Superman. Uh, what is it? Is this called World? It's, yeah, just Batman Superman, number, issue number nine. This is uh, part of their uh, new, seri- new storyline called Atomic, part one. And it's basically trying to figure out who's the person that actually makes all these supervillains. Like the Atomic Skull and other bizarre, like, humanoids that are implanted with cybernetics or some weird technology. Because uh, apparently the Atomic Skull is dead! And they want to figure out why that happened, and it all leads back to who is the person building these supervillains. Seems fun. I always enjoy the supervillain behind the supervillains. Remember the carpenter was introduced for the very little time. The calculator. The person that. No, no. The the carpenter, the person that actually like designed and made secret layers for villains. Uh, I don't remember that at all. No, nobody remembers the carpenter. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I like the super, I like the behind the scenes look. Are you talking about Jesus? Sometimes, huh? Are you talking about Jesus? Carpenter? Nothing about Jesus. No, oh no, but you know, Paul's favorite jeans are carpenter jeans. Yes, all the extra pockets. 
the extra pockets and the little hoop for your belt. They never get stuck in uh, traps. Little so hoop. The, uh, I, most the jeans have the hoops for your belt, by the way. Hmm. Uh, the, I meant the hoop for my, my, hoop for my yeah, hammer I, I, on, on it. The Carpenter debuted in Detective Comics 841 back in April 2008. Paul Dini. It was a Paul Dini. That's when he was on Detective Comics with uh, Dustin Wynn. Pretty sure that was... Uh, Western old time. <laughs> Only appearance. That's fine. Uh, but I'm also looking forward to a book written by Paul Dini. And this is going to be the Catwoman 80th anniversary special uh, coming out from DC Comics. Paul Dini is one of the all-star writers that's popping into this book. Uh, we're getting the 80th anniversary of a lot of DC Comics characters. Uh, we read the Robin one for our last look back. I actually wound up really enjoying that one. I'm not a huge Catwoman fan, but just the pedigree of this character is bringing writers like Paul Dini, Ed Brubaker, Will Pfeiffer, uh, Tom King, and Nascenti onto it. So, yeah, those are some top-tier creators that I like when they play in the Batman universe. So that's kind of reason enough for me to check this out. So look forward to us talking about that one uh, when we do our May-June look back. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to uh, a Swamp Thing 100-page giant. Uh, And this is going to be written by Mark Russell, uh, Phil Hester, and art by Marco Santucci. Uh, So Mark Russell has one called Strategic Outcomes. Uh, Phil Hester, with art by Tom Mandrake, has Toys on Parade. And then there are uh, a couple reprints, uh, Be Careful What You Wish For, from Swamp Thing number 4 from 2016, The Poison Truth Part 4 from Hellblazer number 4, 2017, and Playing With Fire from Zatanna number 4, coming out in 2010. Uh, Nothing really interested me this week, and this was the closest thing we got, so I'll check it out, especially since it's only $4.99. Not too shabby. Yeah. And I like uh, the Swamp Thing. Yeah. You know what I like? And uh, you know what? Beer? Well, I I like beer. I have to get my next one. And you are right, because we do like beer. And like I said before, uh, all my beers are from Clown Shoes today. So the next one I'm drinking is a limited release. And this is their Haze Cake. Uh, and this is a hazy double India pale ale, uh, sitting at nine percent. This one's brewed with Citra, Centennial, and Mosaic hops, and I actually like this one a lot more uh, than the Eagle Claw Fist, whatever it was called. I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, I threw out the can. Whoops! Uh, but no, this is a nice kind of like New England style. It's pretty juicy. It's not too hot forward. It's like that nice kind of bitter sitting on my tongue where after I swallow, I'm just like, ooh, like I get that nice little bitter dryness and I want to have more. Uh, again, I just picked up one can of this. It was like four bucks for the for the pint can. I don't regret it. I definitely put this over the Eco Claw Fist. Uh, it kind of makes me want to check out the regular version of this, the Space Cake, because I don't know if I've had that one or if I have it's probably been a long time because 
for cloud juice, I tend to go for their darker, sweeter beers a little bit more. Uh, just more of my flavor profile. But I've been drinking a lot of sours recently and a lot of Berliner Weisses. So uh, I asked, hey, you know, what beers are you guys drinking for the show just so I can get something to kind of ape that style? And John said IPA. So I was like, okay, you know what? It's been a while since I've had like an IPA day. Uh, and I think this would be a great go-to for just one of those 90-degree days here in Orlando or one of your 90-degree days in Buffalo. So this is like a great drinkable beer. We're breaking records here. Hottest day on record was yesterday. Or, well, that day. <laughs> Hottest May 26th on record was yesterday. There has n- never been as hot of a May 26th as yesterday. Good job. I'm proud of you guys. Yeah. yeah we, we broke it's all the ozone we got rid of. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, you- I am drinking from Hamburg Brewery. They're oh. Berry Berry Sneaky. This is a fruited sour with lactose. And this has blackberry, blueberry, boysenberry, cranberry, raspberry, and strawberry. Uh, this I is, think the only berry it's missing were crunch berries. I know, right? Um, so this has got a, and boysenberry. a really nice red... That's not a real berry, Paul. Oh, how about loganberry? Oh, that's real. Yeah. That's real. <laughs> this has got a, I'm sorry. A, a really nice uh, red color... A really nice tartness to it, but it also is very uh, acidic sour uh, on the tongue. Very kind of, in, in my mind, more Belgian-y sour than like the American-style fruited sour that are just kind of really heavy-fruited, tart, but not like mouth-puckering or, you know, killing your taste buds sour. Um, this is good. Uh, it's 7.2%. It doesn't taste like that. Just kind of tastes like a nice, um, sour beer. I don't know. Maybe it's lactose on the tongue. Kind of the aftertaste is a little, um, not great, but it makes you want to take another sip to get that fruity flavor, uh, back. Um, no berry kind of stands out on it. Uh, I think when you just cram it full of berries, uh, you're not going to get like a distinct flavor, but it's a nice kind of fruity tart tartness. It's, it's good for Hamburg. I think Hamburg does pretty good sours, you know, I will say that about them. It's kind of one of those, one of those lessons you got to learn when you're cramming berries, nobody wins. Paul, I, I, well, I think the I think Hamburg is kind of spotty. They're either not sour or tart enough, or they're like a, an acidic sour sometimes, and just is an off-putting taste. So every once in a while, I can find a good one where I'm like, yes, this is they got it right this time. Um, but you, John, you probably drink more than me, so you probably know. Uh, I think their blackberry sour is good. That that key lime. The key lime beer that they did for their uh, anniversary party last summer was exceptional, mm-hmm. and the 
lime beer in that variety pack that you got, Paul, is a toned-down version of that beer. Um, and I, I mean... I just remember out of that pack, there was like three, two or three sours. Two sours. Mango Tango. That Mango one. Tango is just a fruited yeah. blonde ale. You know, yeah. that. And it was put that good. over with your eight days a week. Mm-hmm. And then a lager, and then it has the blackberry, and then uh, a goza, and then the, the key lime, or the lime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the lime was okay. It didn't knock my socks off. I, it was the best thing out of that pack. But in the blackberry, I didn't really enjoy that much either because it was uh, more of a acidic um, sour. It wasn't a enjoyable kind of sour for me. So and that's what I'm basing this off of. So I, I have a very small sample size. Yep. Um, but I'm drinking right now something that I want to keep it juicy and I want to enjoy immediately. And this is the little juicy, the, the 5.2 alcohol percent five value version of the two juicy from two roads is it two two roads or just two, two roads uh well because there's a number two above their logo of uh, two arms that say two roads on it but anyways uh this was packed uh back in april 17th so it's a more than a month old but you know i i just wanted a Easy drinking IPA, uh, kind of in that New England style. And right now I'm getting a little bit more hoppy flavored version of a, you know, all day IPA. Uh, it, it does come in a 16 ounce can, which is a vessel that I enjoy. <laughs> you know, I just, there's something about the 16 ounce can that's just kind of fun. It's, I, I like drink opening up a beer and having it you know, last a little while. I find, like, the Southern Pier Ruby Red, like, I drank that really quickly. The 16-ounce, I know it's only, uh, you know, four four more ounces, but for whatever reason, I, it feels like it. I will agree with you because when I get one of those just, like, pounder cans, it's great when I'm just sitting on the porch reading or, like, you know, doing some prep work for a podcast. Like, they're they're great because it's I don't have to get up and get another beer. Like it's, it's got me. It's only, it's only not. It's only a third more. But that, but that, but it's enough. That's value. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy this. Is good. and Paul, you're one that always like. Mm, does it come in a pounder can? Nah, I don't want it. Like you're Mister Pounder Can. Yeah. I do. I, I am more interested in picking up a beer if it is in a pounder can. If it is. Other than if it is not. The reason why I stopped really going to get, um, what is it? the bomb, or juice bomb from uh, Sloop, is because they went from powder cans to uh, 12 ounces. Yeah, but you get more beer, beer for less money, and it's still beer. a great beer. It is still a good beer. But I want to be <laughs> drinking it out of a powder can. I do not fault you at all for that. You know what I need to do? It's just buy these twelve ounce beers, open two of them up, pour them <laughs> into a sixteen ounce double pounder. I know, 
No, open up two, you know, so a twenty. So now I have 24, but I pour it into a pint glass, which is 16 ounces, and just enjoy it that way, because that's the same volume of beer. And just leave the other can to, you know, go shit itself. Why don't you drink both cans, though? Why don't you get, like, get your German beer stein and just pour them both into there and just enjoy it out of a big old stein? Because you're trying to use logic here in an unlogical. Because I used to, I used to so, get you know. my big Stein out, and then I'd pour two uh, Founders breakfast outs into it, mm-hmm. and I'd call it a double double. Okay. Some Tim Tim Hortons joke for you. Stein, so, yeah, we're we're high in uh, right now. Yes, we are. Uh, yeah, so I think that wraps up our beer talk. Well, you know what happens after we do the beer talk? I thought no, I thought we usually do that. Germanic reading and then beer talk. So I'm all out of sorts. What do, I what, never what, remember what, what, what it is, now? but Paul's, Paul's always adamant on the order, but I feel like it's the, the order's pretty fluid. The order's fluid. I'm adamant that we never recognize that a that whatever you guys are talking about actually happens. It just kind of happens. And now, a dramatic reading from Batman, Earth 1, Volume 2, Page 31, Panel 5. I heard the district attorney's office is cutting deals with every criminal being brought in. Why would you allow that? That was a dramatic reading. From Batman, Earth One, Volume Two, Page Thirty One, Panel Five. That's my book, guys. Hey, we're, uh, why don't we review that book now? You know what? We should in our main topic, which we're heading into. Uh, and like I said up at the top of the show, this is going to be our trade-in policy review of. Batman Earth One Volume Two. I've said that way too many times today. Uh, written by Jeff Johns, art by Gary Frank. This is not the most recent of the DC Earth One original graphic novels. This one actually came out in 2015, but we've been a little bit behind the curve on these, and most of that's just due to the fact that I don't remember liking Batman Earth one volume one too much no i think we all kind of didn't like it and that's the kind of thing that got me about this one because as soon as i started reading it i was like oh i'm actually enjoying this why didn't why do i think i didn't like the first volume and then alfred starts talking and i'm like oh yeah that's why a little background this is the earth one so this is a kind of like updated retelling of DC's, you know, marquee characters. So with Earth 1 Batman Volume 2, we're kind of getting still that what behind the ears. It's a greener Batman. Uh, he's still kind of working the kinks out on stuff. Uh, I don't remember too much of Batman Earth 2 or Earth 1 Volume 1. Um, I have to say, though, I did like this volume more than I think I liked the first one. If that makes sense. I would, I think it's going to be a lot of saying one, I think in this episode. Sorry, everybody. I agree. 
that I definitely enjoyed this more than I did the first one. The first one just... I don't remember all of our complaints, but I remember it just being very slowly paced. And you didn't like Bruce Wayne. You didn't like Batman. Like, he just was kind of... I think I remember him being just kind of whiny. You know? Paul? Yeah, I remember being put off that Batman decides to be... Batman because his dad had a bat samurai suit. See, I don't even remember that. I don't remember that either. And then then it's Alfred that basically is like, yeah, no, you want to be trained as a weapon and he talks about it in this episode, in this issue and that's what kind of sprung my memory that that's all the real training he gets is from Alfred, you know, his body, his family bodyguard that sucked at its job. No, he was he was uh, like his dad's like he was a war buddy, and then he, like, was black ops CIA kind of a guy. Yeah, I remember that bit of it. Um, but what we get with okay. the volume two here is kind of the opening up to the Batman universe. We get appearances from Harvey Dent. Uh, we get some Jim Gordon stuff, which I do want to talk about. But there's also appearances from Riddler, uh, Killer Croc. Oh my gosh, Killer Croc. I, I can't, I don't know why I couldn't remember uh, Killer Croc. Also, Tim Drake's dad, Jack Drake's in this, surprisingly, uh, is one of like the five major Gotham families. Um, but yeah, I came out of this liking it more than I thought I was going to. And I had a moment where I was like, well, maybe I should go back and read volume one, but I don't, I don't think I need to. I think I'm okay with where I'm at right now with having read volume two. Yeah. And even this, I like, I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I didn't like it. Like I, I it's just like the, uh, like I, it was kind of funny. The, you're stepping on my crime scene. You've just ruined the prince with your gloves. You just did this. And Batman not knowing anything about being a good detective and Gordon calling him on it to then be in Gordon being like, you know, maybe you could make a good detective. Can you teach, can you teach me forensics? I think that's again, like this is a, a greener Batman. This is him learning the role a little bit more. And the part that you're talking about, like he does kind of come to a conclusion that everyone else has missed. Um, I don't think it's a great Batman book, but while reading this one, I'm like, damn, like Jeff Johns can write a really good Jim Gordon. Like, I think the big thing as I was going through this book was like, if Jim Gordon's on a page, I'm going to enjoy it. Even just his interplay with Harvey Bullets. It's, I don't want to say fun because he's dealing with some pretty, you know, dark stuff as he's going through it. But the Jim Gordon stuff, it works so well that I think, I think he's, I don't want to say the star of this book, but he's the best thing in the book. He's, he's a commanding presence in it. Definitely. Yeah. The- Him and Harvey Bullock. Their interplay together is great. And 
the one thing that made me definitely not want to go back to read the first trade was because Jim Gordon keeps on saying, no, I gave up on Gotham until you came here, Harvey. It's it's because of a, it's because of you that I'm uh, now being a straight shooter cop. And I'm like, I don't want to read a whole trade of Jim Gordon not being the straight shooter cop. Like, I don't, I don't want to get through that. And if you if you remember, he wasn't like he he let things go, but he wasn't mm-hmm. dirty, because if you remember, there was that whole story with Bruce Wayne hating Gordon because he took a bribe, and he's still wearing the bribe, which is that trench coat, and he's like, "No, kid, like I'm wearing this to remind myself never to take a bribe. Like this is it." I'm wearing this coat and it shames me that I'm wearing this coat and it reminds me not to be like uh, to take a bribe to be that guy. I'll look the other way because there's nothing else I can do, but I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to partake of the bribes. And I, the Gordon you get in volume one, which again, I don't remember too much of, but even like the Gordon at the beginning of this versus the Gordon that you leave the book with, Gordon's grown a little bit too. And I think that's kind of what this volume's all about. And I kind of relate it to the Superman Earth ones at that point because I think the Superman ones have been my favorite yeah. of the Earth ones. I mean, we've only gotten the one Green Lantern. I, I guarantee we're going to do Green Lantern Volume 2 when that one comes out, because I think Green Lantern is my favorite single volume. Oh, 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 Chris, Chris, hmm. he can't can't be doing this, because you know how we got to finish this episode now. Oh, oh power ranking? Power ranking. Oh, jeez, okay. You can't, you can't just start throwing that out there. I mean, we don't have to ranking. until someone says we no. have to. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we have to. Uh, uh, the one, the the... The complaint I have about this book is, does Jeff Johns really think he's going to write a volume three? Because there's so much set up to the next story, the next volume. But this book came out in 2015. It's five years later. It was three years between one and two, you know? And it's just like... I could have done without the setup stuff and more of just just tell a Batman story. Don't continue to set up this world when we're quite possibly never going to get anything else. So uh, if this is your story, do a better singular story. I think they are going into the Earth One graphic novels not knowing that they're going to continue on with it, but it's a, hey, when you have a chance, you'll get to work on this. Because I did look into it, and then uh, Gary Frank did say uh, previously, because he was asked about this, um, they were about two-thirds done with Volume 3 before they started working on the Doomsday Clock uh, <laughs> Watchmen DC Universe crossover. But that's, but that's the thing, because... How long was it from the time that the Wonder Woman one was announced until we got Wonder Woman? Yeah, uh, but geez, that stupid Doomsday clock was postponed like how many times? 
And it's nothing like, I mean, Gary Frank's got the hard job of being Gary Frank and doing like crazy great art uh, where so it's, it's like, a, it's like, like two and a half issues. I have, I have the t- uh, tweet here cause someone asked about it and his official response was we did about two thirds before starting doomsday clock. The plan is to get doomsday clock done and then finish on uh, Batman earth one. Then we're going to, Oh no, I'm not allowed to say anymore. Sorry. So this is obviously just a, hey, work on it in between projects kind of thing. And I don't have a problem with it. I mean, it took us five years to get to to read it. You know, I mean, that's, that's on us for doing it. But I don't have a problem with them taking their time on putting these things out. Because I do think that they are quality products. I mean, it's all original material they're not priced outlandishly i think it's a good value even the ones that i haven't really enjoyed like teen titans volume two i don't regret buying it i know i will go back and reread it at some point Mm. um i i'm saying right now too before we get further in if they come out with uh volume three I'm, I'm picking it up. I would gladly read it. And that's after waiting five years to read volume two of Batman. Yeah, I would be interested in reading volume three because I think we'll finally get a Batman that's recognizable as Batman. You know, at this point, he's studied the forensics. He is using his mind a little bit more. He is the detective. Um. He, I love Gary Frank's art. I do want to. Yeah, I, I plan like after we finish like the spear, like once we reach the halfway point, I, I talk about the art. Yeah, I I really want to talk about the art. Part yeah. Of this issue. Um, and it's a hundred and you know thirty pages, so it's more than just one single or one and a half, two single, uh, two issues. This is it's um, a two and a half. It's 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 a two and, it's and, a and a half. It's like two and a half, three, uh, three issues. But three issues would be ninety. You know, wait, thirty pages would be ninety. So a hundred and. But thirty pages 20. is like that's including ads because your typical comic yeah, book's what twenty two, twenty three. Well, twenty now. <laughs> that's see. I will say that's the good thing about reading digital is because you don't have to like. It'll hit. Oh, uh, here's the here's the ad. The advertisement for payday. Let me flip past it. Like. It's it's all story, which I do I do like, and that's how these trades were as well, right? Like, oh yeah, they're original graphic novels. Like, this is just a found hardcover as well, uh, and released basically. This is for the Barnes and Noble market. This is for people that buy their comic books at an actual bookstore. Uh, I don't mind him and them leaving off with threads to be picked at even if they don't know if they're ever going to come back to pick up the threads because as a reader I'm happy to then spend my time thinking about those threads because that's the one thing about comics right like comic books is a medium that should never have an act three and we always enjoy those comic book series and issues and miniseries that have an act three 
that give us that final payoff. But honestly, you, you want to be left wanting. Right? Yeah. Like, I think that's what I'm getting here. Like, ooh, they're introducing Catwoman. Ooh, they're introducing this. Oh, they're going to get a Batcave. Um, I did like Lucius Fox. Yeah. Like, constantly being like, hey, team, guess what? New project. Bruce, I want, Bruce Wayne has given us a 40% raise. Uh, and, just because he And college funds for all your and kids. Just, even you with the, uh, the quadruplets. Yeah, and they seem dumb, so they're going to trade school. Uh, but I, but I, I think you're you're right because even though this is like a, it's being sold as that hardcover prestige kind of format. Hey, here's the story. You you want to have it kind of left open, and as soon as there's like that tease of Killer Croc, because you see him behind like a sewer grate, I'm like. Okay, because they've already set up the Riddler as like the big bad for this volume right at the beginning. And I was on board. I love the Riddler. He's one of my favorite Batman foils. But then I was like, okay, yeah, they're teasing Killer Croc. You're going to get him later. But no, like this book leans into Killer Croc being a character. And he's a character. He's not portrayed as a villain. He's just a dude that has a condition. He just wants to be left alone. And I like that kind of view at him. You know, he kind of gets brought into the circle at that point. You um, really, we you really get, want me to call you Batman? I, lo- like, I, I did love that little scene. Uh, there's That's fun. And then there's two other moments that I really like. Uh, the first one is when uh, Batman's talking to Jim Gordon and they're at the crime scene after the elevator has been dropped down the shaft and Jim Gordon's talking to Batman and he looks over his shoulder. Nobody's there. We've seen that scene so many times in a Batman comic book or movie or cartoon. And then you you get the captions like over here. (laughs) And then Batman's like continuing to be like, I'll see what else I can do. And like, and then he's slinking away. This isn't like the Batman that's like doing that, just like quick fade into the shadows. He's, he's talking to, you know, Besides Alfred, the only ally that he has. And Batman trusts Jim Gordon, even though Alfred's like, no, I told you, don't trust anybody. Like, what's wrong with you? This person uh, knows who you are. Favorite moment? You think this guy doesn't know who you are. This person knows who you are. You can't keep telling people who you are. Now Killer Croc knows who he is. What do I feed this well, thing? Possibly. Uh, my second, also- my second favorite moment, though, before uh, we move on, uh, is when Batman gives Jim Gordon the the phone that, that he calls a bat signal, and Jim Gordon's like, he put a bat on it. <laughs> like, it's just like those two little moments. I think also add into my love of Jim Gordon in this graphic novel because. Jim Gordon's just like the regular dude and he's trying to keep shit together but there's just so much kind of stacked against him between this Batman and then these random crimes with a question mark you know at the scene his partner's getting drunk at 10am at the bar it's I I really enjoyed this I like 
And for talking about Jim Gordon, I did want to talk about uh, Commissioner Loeb. Mm-hmm. Because, man, that guy will just stick his neck out for his cops. Which is great, because, you know, in a mostly corrupt city, at least the commissioner is on the side of the cops. Being like, oh, yeah, definitely. Hey, unfortunately. <laughs> Sounds like things happened. Sorry. You know, drinks were spilled. There was a bar fight. My cop, the cops were there, you know, just because they were keeping an eye on the guy. Yeah, things happen, you know. And Commissioner Loeb just letting them go. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Alfred, the guy that's like, hey, way too many people know who you are, Batman. Oh, you want me to deliver flowers to a girl that took care of Batman for you? Bruce Wayne's personal butler slash bodyguard. Nobody will ever make that connection. Let me go. Well, he doesn't deliver. He has somebody else deliver him. Yeah, he, he has orders. someone deliver him. And that's and that's because wait, wait, he doesn't like. He's not. No, there. it's like he some. Yelled at no, by the guy? it's some random oh. dude. Okay. It's at the end of the book. Okay. Um, if you want to flip ahead, but yeah, it's just like some random delivery kid with like the bouquet of flowers, uh, which okay. which I like that because. I don't like this portrayal of Alfred, but I like him kind of talking to like that receptionist or whatever. Um, uh, Jessica or Jennifer Dent? What was her name? Jessica? I don't know. Harvey Dent's twin sister, which I kind of liked that little twist. Um, but before I get ahead of that, uh, but Alfred talking to like the receptionist where he's like, no, I'm not his butler. I'm his bodyguard. Tell anyone that asks. I feel like that's a kind of more cheeky Alfred that I want to see instead of the, oh, you should just shoot people. They already think you're killing people. Do it. What's, you know, why not? Um, but again, I don't like this Alfred. I do like the, the dent twins because Harvey does have a sister, uh, and that's kind of some of that familial, like waves that are being made. Um, well, as soon as as soon as they said that they were twins, because I don't remember that from the first uh, volume. But I, I don't. But think that, again, years since we've read it, I don't think that was a thing that really existed. I think that was just set up in this one I, to kind of undercut the fact that you're like, okay, we know Harvey Dent's in it. And then they kind of pull the rug out from underneath you to be like, no, Harvey's not going to be the villain going forward. It's going to be his twin sister. I think they are in the first one. Because I, I, I remember I, I, that I remember. scene of like him being like, stay away from my sister. And he's the one that like lets you know that she, his mom's an arc, you know, his is an arc. See, uh, again, don't remember. I thought that was just like a flashback to something that didn't happen. Like, building a continuity not reinforcing think, a continuity i think that happened and i think like if, i'm not, not going to walk into the other room to get my actual physical copy if, of it i'll take your word I, on it if i remember correctly there's like a crazy killer who's not like a regular like batman villain and he's like one of the people in that and he's trying to kill her and like bruce wayne stops her like 
he goes, she's at the mansion and he's like there to kill. I don't know. I don't remember, but I just remember like that being like one of the big villains. I don't remember. Uh, she was okay. I just I googled it quick. She was in Batman Earth One Volume One. I don't remember. But Kyle again, Pot being the mayor. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's like the big hinge of that one because Batman's responsible for his death. But yeah, um, uh, do we well, do we want to talk about next beer? Quick. Uh, but yeah. We're, Take a break in the middle of talking about the actual graphic novel to talk about our next beer. Uh, my third and final beer for the night also, again, from Clown Shoes. This is a limited release. And this is their Coconut Sombrero, a Mexican-style chocolate stout with coconut. I've had other versions of their chocolate sombrero before. But this one, as I had cracked the top, and was pouring it, I could already smell the coconut coming off of it. And after I let it settle for a minute and I took my first sip, this beer is fantastic. It's just a nice, dark, rich chocolate stout. And then you get that like coconut nuttiness on the back. Oh, it just, it just sings. Um, I'm trying to look and see. Also only 7% ABV. So this is like, the littlest boy I've had all night. This one I picked up in a four pack and I am thankful for that because I want to drink more of this. Everything about this beer just works so well. Um, I, I really love it. Nice. Uh, I've always enjoyed this beer. Um, I don't know if I've had the coconut before. Um, like the chocolate sombrero, like, and like I think the Mexican sombrero is like the cinnamon with the pepper, and then they had yeah, uh, that's like the base version. They of had it. the barista, which I think was the coffee version. It was like barista sombrero. Um, but yeah, no, it's I, I, I could look. I'm not going to, but I I'm willing to say. I mean, without having all of the other numbers in front of me off my untapped. I think this might be my favorite version of like the clown shoes sombrero beers. There's it's like the perfect balance of coconut on top of that chocolate. I kind of wish there was a little bit of like that pepper spice to it. This one's not brewed with any kind of pepper, but I don't, it doesn't need it, but I think one more layer on top of this would have elevated it probably to like, a 4.5, because I put it at a 4 as it was, but man, this is, this is delicious. I'm drinking a small batch from Thin Man Brewery. This is Through the Haze I Can See. Uh, this is an Indian Pale Ale. This is my big boy for the night. This is 6.5% alcohol by volume, because as I've said off the show many times, I have to be up at 5.45 tomorrow. Uh, this isn't that hazy. Or, well, maybe it is. I, I'm drinking it straight from the can. But it doesn't hate taste of that haziness. It doesn't taste creamy and milky and full of that hot particle. It just... It's okay. It's got a nice, like, West Coast bitter IPA kind of flavor to it, which is something that I have been craving more um, than, like, the New England style. I'm going to take another sip here. Sorry, bear with me. 
because unfortunately it is very forgettable. Like, um, it's good. It's not quite resiny. There is a sharpness to the hop flavor. I'm enjoying it. But when I picked it up, I'm like, oh boy, oh boy, Thin Man, they can knock my socks off here. It's it's good. It's a very drinkable double IPA. It's not even a double IPA. It's just a regular IPA. It's good. I don't know if it's worth the price point. Uh, and with Thin Man, now I'm only going to be buying their sours because this is decent. This is good. It's okay, but their sours knock, knock it out of the ballpark. They're home runs every single time. Glowworm. All the different types of, um, oh my goodness, Mickey Boodles that they do. Um, I'm always excited to try those. They're like fruit preserves mixed into a blender and somehow become a beer. Uh, this, uh, their IPA, like Burning Money, uh, this one here, they're decent, they're good. If I was at their bar and I was sitting with friends and we're getting three drinks there, maybe I would mix one of these in between two sours, but honestly, Thin Man is my go-to sour. For my so, like, that's what I'm going to order. Have you had, like, the Peanut Butter Jenkins? Or just, like, the... I don't know what they call just like the regular uh, Jenkins, Jenkins, like the stout. Just Jenkins. Is it okay? I was going to pick up peanut butter Jenkins, but the price point was so high that I just rather picked up and I picked up something else. And then also, it's competing with Dewclaw's Sweet Baby Jesus, and Sweet Baby Jesus is such a great peanut butter beer. It's better. It's better. <laughs> and and at, actually, at that price point too. Oh yeah, you could get two six packs for like the same price. Yeah. So I've been scared away, but <clears throat> if you're at the brewery, it's a whole different conversation. Oh, yeah. because you're paying just for one pint, and if it's six bucks or eight bucks, like doesn't matter. No, like and when and, you're hanging out, when we go to Thin Man and Caitlin and I go, we not regularly, but at least. Possibly like once a month, we go to Thin Man, and it's kind of like if we can get somebody to watch Grace, and it's our date night. And my wife only gets Minky Boodle unless there's another sour there that mm-hmm. sounds equally or better. And most of the time, when she gets it, she looks at me and goes, "Should have got a Minky Boodle." And I mean, that's fine. I usually try whatever new IPA is there. I usually get maybe two IPAs, and then I'll get, like, a Pilsner or a Lager just to have kind of just a refreshing end because I don't want three six-and-a-half to 9% beers, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I'm there, I never, you know, you never really look at the price because you're like, oh, it's you know, I'm going to get a pint where I'll get a goblet, you know? Um, but I have to say, like, Trial by Wombat, which is pretty regularly out, and it's not, it's usually always super fresh when it comes out, it's fourteen ninety nine for a four-pack, and I think it's the best IPA that they make, and it's mm-hmm. definitely worth picking up from them, but at the same point, Minky Boodle is the same price, and... 
if I had my druthers, I'd bring home Minky Boodle. One, it makes my wife happy, and I think it's the best beer that they make. Yeah. I do want to say next time I'm up in Buffalo, I want to go back to Thin Man because we were th- uh, there. It wasn't my last visit. But I think it was the one before that. Yeah, it was the one when we went to Canada. Yeah. I do want to go in. Time, it's been like two years. I don't know how long we were there for because we just got like food and beers. I kind of want to spend some more time there just so we can try more things because I've had, I think, a good amount of Thin Man stuff. But I don't think I've had their just continuous offerings. Because I haven't had the yeah. the trial by Wombat. And that's the thing. Like I follow them on Instagram. And it seems to be like one of those beers that people grab it and they're like, oh, got a Wombat, got a Wombat. I'm, I kind of want to get some more stuff from there. Because I think I only had maybe like two beers when we were there. And I tried like other people's stuff. But it was just like, you know, quick sip sampling kind of thing. Yeah. Uh no, I the the new thin man over on Chandler, I love I love the atmosphere. Do they still have the one on Elmwood? Yes. Okay. The one on Chandler, they were it was originally just gonna be a brewer brewery because they're planning on canning and the other place is too small for what they grew into. And then when they were doing it they said, you know, we can probably put a bar and restaurant in here. And then they have Tapos doing the pizzas for them and their restaurant. So they don't have to worry about coming up with crazy new things. They have Tapos doing that. So you can get like great pizzas, the best Caesar salad I've ever had. Ooh, I, uh, I do like a Caesar salad. They also have like, uh, in-house marinated olives. And it's, ju- it's basically just a giant bowl of, all different kinds of olives they give you. If you were to like a grocery store and went to their olive bar and made it, it would cost like $20, but they're charging like nine ninety nine. You know, it's like a ridiculous price for the amount of olives you get. Uh, but also the, the beers there are great. Now, ultimately Elmwood has more of their beers on tap, but, the Chandler one has like the streamlined, like they are always going to have minky. They'll have their burning money, but then all the other ones are usually like the new hot thing that they have. The other place just has more like, Oh, we, we, we did this with Citra. So we have that there, you know, like the newer stuff is always at both places, but it's a better, it's a better time. Yeah, because I've never liked the food at Thin Man. I hate the food at regular Thin Man. Yeah. I haven't been to Chandler yet, so getting like some pizza from Tapos doesn't sound bad. Oh, it's so, though, so good. Not a big fan of Tapos. Uh, I don't think I've ever been to regular Tapos. We did there. You weren't there at that. Uh, oh, was, is that when we ate on the roof? The roof, yeah. Oh, I did, I liked it. That food was good. Was okay. uh, the drink was really weak and lame. And I did not like it. 
Well, Paul, what are you drinking now? Ooh, I, I already talked about it. Did you? Through the haze, I can see. Yeah, John, John, did you talk about yours? That's why. No. That's why we were talking about. That's thin how man. we got into Thin it's, Man. Uh, I am drinking from Cronenberg, sixteen sixty four. They're Blanc. This is a French beer. Uh, this is a wheat beer with um, different citrus added to it. Uh, this is coming in a uh, 16.9. So this is 500 mLs bigger than your normal 16-point can. Uh, Four-pack Tall Boys, 6.99. And uh, it's delicious. It's got this really nice apricot-ness to it. Um, it's really good. It's one of those beers that I usually grab from my wife. And uh, I figured after doing a 6.5 and a 7.2, I'm going to grab this little 5%er and enjoy the rest of my night with you boys. And uh, I, 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 highly, uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, if you can find this beer... Uh, it is well worth it. So funny you mention that because I can find this beer. I just have to go to Epcot to the France Pavilion to get it. And I don't do drinking around the world. I go to Epcot just to enjoy, you know, the the experience, the foods. I do drink, but I have my places that I go to. And France is actually one of the pavilions that I usually wind up skipping when I do want something to drink because I know there's things that I like more, but I, I'm guessing I should check this out then next time I go to Epcot. Are you saying, Hey, Chris, get uh, this yeah. over, this over be... the Grand Marnier slushy. Hmm. I've never had the slushy, it's but really I've had this good. beer and on a hot day, this is going to taste amazing. Okay. Like I would rank this beer with chauffeur offer. Okay, like, I so far for like, I don't even like. I could go to Epcot and not want to drink, but I'm going to get a Schoferhofer just because it's delicious and it's so low ABV that it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Okay. And for a five percenter on a hot day, this beer is going to taste amazing. Like you've already been walking around, and you stop and you get this. I think you're gonna you'll like it, but you got to make sure it's the Blanc. Okay, I. I need to do some more research beyond just knowing that I've seen this on like the tap lists at places. Um, right. Yeah. I'm, this is, like, I'm looking forward to I it. I brought then. this home. I brought this home because Caitlin goes to me, she goes, you never bring me beer home. And I was like, I bring you beer home all the time. I go, you brought you those, this, this sour, this sour, this sour, this sour. And she's like, yeah, but you never bring me, like a regular beer. Like all I drink is sours because that's what you bring me home. And it's like, well, that's what you like. And she's like, yeah, but I want that apricot beer. It's like, Oh, all right. I can, I can easily bring you home some Blanc. Like that's no problem at all. I'm, I'm doing my, my due diligence right now. Uh, just everything I'm seeing just says Cronenberg, 1664 French beer. Yeah, so they it's probably like the, the lager. But I'll look into next it. Time, but yeah, next time. I mean, next I'm time gonna, I'll be there eventually, anyways. Uh, like announced today, uh, Disney World will be opening up July 11th. Still a little ways off, but 
I'm hoping they do some kind of pre-opening thing that I can get into. Because I, yeah, and- I really want to go. I, I'm stir crazy, guys. I'm glad I get to go back to work next week. But man, I really want to go out and do something. Um. Yeah. Next uh, next time we <laughs> next time we visit, either me coming down there or you coming up here, we'll have this beer together. Uh, I would rather you come down and we get it in Epcot because if I'm up in Buffalo, I'd rather have Buffalo beers. Like, well, you can always take it home with you. I'm just saying. Like, I'm just it, saying, I'd rather take it. other beers that I can't get down here. Anyways, getting back into it. So, guys, Batman Earth One Volume Two. Something we haven't talked about yet is the actual main antagonist of this book, because they introduced the Riddler into the Batman Earth One uh, canon. At this point, and I love the Riddler. Set it up at the top. This is again kind of like a I don't want to say broke ass Riddler, but this is a Riddler that just kind of doesn't care if you know the answers to his questions because he has an agenda that he wants to fulfill. He's Batman Arkham City Riddler. He's the video game Riddler. Yeah, I I I enjoyed that, you know, he was doing the, he was doing his riddles, killing people when they didn't do it. And I like that he was going to do it anyways. Uh, I didn't mind. Uh, I would have liked a better character design than just uh, a guy with an open green uh, trench coat, a question mark necklace, and then a question mark around his eye. Well, I, you know, I don't disagree with you, but that's kind of also going to head us into something that we talked about wanting to talk about with Gary Frank's artwork because damn can Gary Frank draw like the last book I've read from him was Doomsday Clock and we were reading that for our monthly look back like each month we were doing the next issue of it and then I I was the one that was buying it I fell off of it I just didn't care I think we read like three or four of the issues and nothing against Gary Frank. I think it was just the actual story itself that just didn't resonate, didn't catch, it didn't keep me on it. But picking this up and then flipping through it, Gary Frank can draw. And I think the strength of Gary Frank is the fact that he can draw people. He's not just drawing superheroes or supervillains, because he's drawing just a bunch of random people unmasked hanging out in Gotham city and everyone is very distinct. And I think that's something that a lot of today's comic book artists are lacking in. So yes, the Riddler is just a person that's hanging out in a bunker behind some cute uh, computers setting stuff up. But if you see the Riddler on one page, it's, you can tell it, this is the Riddler. He doesn't look, like Harvey Dent or Harvey Bullock or uh, Alfred Pennyworth. Like everyone's so distinct in their appearances that it catches. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. Like 
Gary's Gary Frank's artwork in this book elevates this book to me. Not hating it, but enjoying it. I can't say that like I'm very torn whether I like it or not. But the thing that I can definitely say is the art in this book is top notch. <laughs> I'm, I'm just flipping through it. I just got to the part where Batman's in the sewers beneath Gotham, and he's trying to to pick a lock, and he can't do it. So he throws his lock picks aside and kicks in the door. That that alone is two fun pages because you get a panel of Bruce Wayne as Batman, like saying, "Come on," and he's just kind of like you can see the frustration on his face. Two panels away, he's throwing the lockpicks over his shoulder. Next panel, or next page, is him kicking in the door. And I get the frustration. I see what he's trying to portray. And I think he's able to capture like that human expression better than most other comic book artists can. Well, even with his Batman, like... You're seeing his you're seeing his eyes. Yeah, there's a and lot his of eyes. eyes. His eyes are saying so much. You know, even with that cape and cowl, you, his eyes and his mouth are saying so much and Gary Frank can just do that. He can just deliver this these looks that, you know, are so human. Everything in this. And everybody, like you said, everybody looks this is what Commissioner Gordon looks like on every page. That's what he looks like. Yeah, it's not a cartoon. There's no abstraction at all. It's, even the costume looks like it's a person wearing the Batman costume. There's no... Up oh, suddenly he has his cowl on and his eyes disappear. His people disappear. Nope. His eyes are still there. Uh, and he's not wearing any kind of like that black... Like, shoe polish around his eyes to even mask that like it's just nope it's the hood over it um no i think he he does a very good realistic style that um with emotions yeah and that was the thing like again i started reading this book without having reread volume one and right at the beginning of it i was like man gary frank can draw and that wasn't a shock to me, but getting into it, dude can draw a Batman book. I would love if he drew like an actual Batman book. I enjoyed his run on Superman, which was, but at that point he was drawing Christopher Reeve Superman as Chris Reeve and Margot Kidder as Lois Lane, <laughs> but, uh, which uh, took me out a little bit. Again, but like that just kind of reinforces his skill because he can capture that likeness, and that's that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, do do we want to get into final thoughts? Does anyone have anything else to say? I think final thoughts are wrap up on this. Are you going to make us do like the the power rankings? Uh, we'll do that after our final thoughts on this book, so that way we can do the power rankings. I don't remember 
basically any of the <laughs> So why would you even suggest it? Because you started the ranking, Chris, so you did it. It's on you. It's not my fault. You started it. I'm like the Riddler over here. If you start ranking things, I need a power ranking. No, my final thoughts on this Earth One is I'm not sure who this book is for. It's it's a green Batman. Batman that's not a detective yet. He's not the most skilled fighter yet. He's good at, you know, just mopping the floor with some uh, lowly thugs. But he can't take on Killer Croc. He's not, you know, an ace detective. He's not once... He doesn't have a plan for everything. He's getting knocked out and showing up on a girl's doorstep and doesn't realize that maybe he should be protecting his identity. So he's not quite Batman? <laughs> because Batman's superpowers is to be Batman. Like, that's that's, that's Batman's superpower. <laughs> he's Batman. Um, and then it's released as a trade in a hardcover at, you know, bookstores, at Barnes and Nobles, at for everything. So it seems like it's for a new reader, yet I don't know if there's enough there to actually get a new reader interested in it. Like, I think this book, uh, to answer your question, Paul, is for people who are Batman fans and Jeff John fans. And even if you're a Batman fan and you read Batman Year One, this is a more drawn out version of that. You know, in Batman Year One, you have him just dressing up with a ski mask on and getting beaten up. Then he elevates it to the costume and then he, you know, he slowly grows. And that's this Batman is a slowly growing. Batman. And I would have loved to have him been more Batman in this myself. Like, I agree with you. Like, I I want him to be Batman. Like, that those scenes where Gordon's yelling at him that he's stepping all over a crime scene, like, to me, Batman should have known that. Batman should have already deduced that this Batman is... Bruce Wayne's not Batman yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Bruce Wayne would still be out there training... And getting all the knowledge and studying with Antenna's dad, learning all the escape artist tricks, you know. Yeah, Batman animated series. series. <laughs> Batman. Batman. I, so, I agree that this that this isn't our Batman or what we think about what Batman should be. <clears throat> but it's a so, it's 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 a still growing character, even in like the Superman Earth One. You have Clark Kent, Kal-El, not really knowing what he wants to do, but by the end of that book, he's Superman. At the end of the first volume, you're hoping that he's going to be Batman, and then you get this next volume, and he's still not Batman. You know? Right. And And at the price point that it's released at, like, it's not released at New Readers, it's released... For us, it's oh, I think but what seventeen ninety nine, like a, usually when these come out, I think that's the price. Yeah, it's not bad for 
a hardcover original content. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that if it's for a new reader or a kid, like, do you think this would, would you give this to John three years down the, well, more than three years, <laughs> one years old? My kid's one. This is not. When do they start reading? Do they start reading at four? I don't know. Like this, this isn't a, the Batman book. I would sit down with him. Right. Is this the Batman book that you would introduce your kid to? No. Like when he's no. ready? Like, this is the book that my kid's 16 years old going, Dad, what else do you got to read? Like, I'm looking for something. And I'd say, hey, this is something like that it did. It's Earth One. And I'd explain that to him. And then I'd give him uh, uh, the first, uh, first two Superman books. I'd give him Green Lantern book. Mm-hmm. And then when he's like, well, what else? I'm like, I got the Batman one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is uh, it good? Eh. I'll jump in on that because for me, I don't think this is for that new reader. This isn't necessarily that ultimate version of the character, you know, to take the, the phrase coined for Marvel. Like this is, those top tier DC characters created, you know, decades ago, reinvented by some of DC's top tier creative talent today. This is for the modern DC fan. And I just did some quick Googling too, because there were other ones that had been announced that we have yet to see, including one. Flash from um, J. Michael Straczynski, again, announced back in 2015 at San Diego Comic-Con. Five years later, we haven't seen it. And then also a Francis Manipal Earth-1 Aquaman, again, announced at Comic-Con 2015. We haven't seen anything about it. This isn't there to sell you on the character. It's there to tell you or show you what you like about the character being kind of like reinvigorated by one of those creators, whether it's a writer or an artist that you already know and love and you want to see their take on it. And I think we've kind of reflected on that because I know I pick these up not just so we can talk about it on the show, but it's because I want to see Jeff Johns and Gary Frank do a Batman book. I want to see JMS do a Superman book. And it just seeing that different take on it, that makes it interesting. Kudos to it if it's a good, well-done book, because that's going to make me want to read the next volume. Or, you know, because we do this weekly every couple months i have to pull a book for a trading policy <laughs> yeah this is this is a quick easy pick but ultimately it's something that's good for me to pick up and read and talk about and the fact that we've been talking for this long about batman earth 1 volume 2 while earth 1 Volume one wasn't something that we necessarily cared about. I think is a testament to the fact that, like, oh, this is something that's still kind of worth checking out. 
Right. But doesn't it seem kind of disposable? Like, we read I it mean, once. The, all, all comic books done. are disposable. Like, Right. But why release this in a hardcover? As in a prestige kind of format. I think it's for seven for seventeen dollars. I think it's one of those things why. because it is that prestige format. Like and we are picking it up as a fan of either of those characters or those creators. Like I don't think this is gonna be a thing that people are walking into Barnes and Noble to pick up. If they are, I don't think they're losing out because it's it's accessible. It's not that ultimate take on the characters, but if you don't know, you know, Batman or Superman and you're looking for an updated version of it, this could function as that. And this might be something that puts them into that regular DC universe to read it. And I just don't think it's made for that, but it, it could work that way. Dual purpose. You're paying you're paying that money for Jeff Johns, who's a Titan comics with Gary Frank, who's a a titan of, of comic book artists. It's just like the Wonder Woman. I mean, that Wonder Woman, written by Grant Morrison, art by, uh, um, what's his name, Paul? Yannick Paquette. Yannick Paquette. Like, seventeen ninety nine for the art in that book, I think, just using it as an art book is great, because Yannick Paquette does amazing art. And, like, even when we talk to him, and he's like, yeah, it's true. I spent like two days trying to get doorknobs right while I was waiting for the next couple pages from Grant Morrison. Like, okay, oh, okay. You spent two days work, <laughs> working on doorknobs. Like, what kind of doorknobs? You know, like uh, big doorknobs, little doorknobs, like stone doors, like uh, doorknobs. You know? Oh, okay. You know, you know, you're paying for the combo of these people to do it, and your amateur reader isn't going to know, you know, who, uh, what Jeff Lemire is doing the, that Titans book. But the Yannick Paquette. Like, that's yeah. Like Yannick, Yannick Paquette is only on our radar because of what he was doing, uh, with Scott Snyder on that Swamp Thing book. And those layouts were beautiful. And those books were beautiful. And the covers, like he was, astounding on that. I keep looking for Yannick Paquette in books, because if I saw his name, I would pick up that book. No matter Sorry, what, he's just, because I want He's it. too busy doing doorknobs yeah. to put out other <laughs> like, stuff. Can, I, may I, I counter? Uh, yes. Um, yes. We'll finish your thought, John. Look, and then I, I just think, like, seventeen ninety nine for a, a four-issue book by these people that can be ongoing I think is is worth it uh, you know I think those those three Superman books that we got I think the last one we were all kind of iffy on those yeah. first two were fantastic that Green Lantern book was great I mm-hmm. bought it digitally I kind of wish I had the hardcover of it because I enjoyed it that much and I'm a Green Lantern fanboy uh, I'm glad Chris bought those Titan books because I don't think they're good. And that Wonder Woman book, I think, for just the fact that the art is amazing in it, and Grant Morrison did break down the mythos and 
the history of Wonder Woman and try to tell it again in Grant Morrison's way. But you're paying for titans in the comic books, breaking down characters that maybe they love that they haven't done in a normal book. So my counter. Chris, when you picked up those Walmart books, Mm -hmm. how much were they? Oh, God, I think they're like five bucks. Five bucks. And they were written by... He had Brian Michael Bendis writing Batman. And then it was Tom King on Superman. It's like Tom King. And back in the day, when we were all gaga for Brian Michael Bendis' Daredevil, we really wish he would write a really awesome Batman issue. We were never, we were never gaga for his Daredevil. <laughs> we came, we came around. We came around. Uh, but Brian Michael Bendis, like, if you could have picked one book for him, it would have been Batman, right? Like, it was like, yeah. the street level. He's the A list. Now it's being available at Walmart. In a way, you know. That's accessible, disposable for new readers to come in and, and, and enjoy the content. And that's all I'm saying about these Earth One books. I don't understand why they're being sold the way they are, which is in hardcover, which seems like they should be like sitting on the shelf and like, oh, you know, in a prestige kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, I take it out maybe once every two years and I put on gloves and I page through it when it's yeah it's only seventeen ninety nine, and it should be something that I just like here kid read this yet it's in a hardcover it just seems weird to me that that's, this is the format that they're producing this book in um, when it's not and that's why I'm like, well, then obviously it's not designed for the new reader. It's designed for the collectors. It's designed for the people that want it on their shelf. Yeah, but also, it's Paul, not- how have we bought the last, I don't know, four or five of these that we've we've read? Right. We've all bought them digitally. And we bought them on sale. We bought them cheaper than that prestige thing. But again, if you think back at in 2012... We were gaga for it. We we thought, oh yeah, and it wasn't a price like we were fine with it. Chris has a bunch. Chris was buying them. You yeah, know? I got a bunch. I, I'll keep buying more. And to say like, oh, well, those Walmart books. The market has changed. They're trying to sell their books however they can, and to get people in to buy that five bucks for a slightly new story and some other content in it. I mean, I picked up the. The Brian Michael Bendis trade from those Walmart books. Like I, I, I think the market's changed. How much for, was that? I think I don't know. I think maybe oh. sixteen. Like it was the the price of a trade. Okay. So, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, there's choices that are being made here. Like. Who's, they're publishing this in a certain way to, towards a, cer- a certain market, and I'm not sure. Who it's that it's for the co- it's for the collector comic book person who also is a fan of those DC characters and the creative teams. 
But are we happy with? But then again, are we happy with that story that they're telling within those pages? Like this, where you said that you enjoyed a few of, you know, I, you enjoyed the first two Superman. Yeah, and here's the thing: I the I borrowed so I borrowed pages. Chris's. I think the only one of these I bought was Green Lantern, and I bought it mm-hmm. when it was on sale. And I was happy. I was more than happy with it. Having after read it, I would have paid full price. I would have bought the hardback edition of it because I liked it that much. So one out of seven. I would. I would go back and buy the Superman ones. I bought the Superman first uh, first trade, and I can't read. And I have that actual book unless I sold it somewhere because i remember i actually owned that book and we read it um but that's one but it seems like a big fail rate you know there's one or two except for chris who's bought in like all, apparently all of them <laughs> all of them. whether it's physical or just like digital which the only one i've bought digital has been this one like the rest of them i've actually gone to my local like comic book store, and I've picked up a physical copy of it, which I think caused Paul to buy the digital copy of Titans Volume Two. Again, not the best yeah, one, but I think, and we're it, it's hard for us to look at it this way because we've become different comic book readers. Yeah, we're, we're but the fact that also we're comic book readers. This could be one of those books that Barnes and Noble could have an end cap of all the DC Earth One stuff, and some kid or like parent, grandparent, aunt or uncle could be walking through that and say like, "Oh, hey, little Johnny likes Batman. Let me pick up this Batman Earth One book for him." Like, this could be someone's first foray into comics and some of these stories might not be the best for that but also like besides the uh teen titans like volume two one and what i maybe remember from batman earth one volume one i wouldn't say any of these have been bad and the fact that i've picked up seven or eight of these as a fan of these characters and have been able to be like, Oh no, like there's something redeeming about it. I think speaks to the fact that like, no, this is a, no, a somewhat quality product. I just kind of, I just kind of want the flash and Aquaman one now because (laughs) they were announced five years ago. Again, to circle back, like I think this is just one of those things the creators that are on it work on it when they get the chance, and eventually, once everything comes together, it gets put out because it is put out in that prestige format. DC's going to make the money off of it because you know they invested at the front, and now it comes out, they charge like that 18 bucks for it. Cool. It's going to sit on a bookshelf on Amazon or Borders or Barnes and Noble for decades to come. Yeah. It'll just, it's out of continuity. It can be sold to whoever, whenever, 
and it'll still be the same <laughs> because it's a singular story with weird latches on to up oh, pick us up next time where you get more catwoman which is fine because as a reader I'd rather have that have more questions to you know involve my mind with than having everything wrapped up and then being done. And then too like to follow up on that like again they're more contemporary like reading this doesn't seem as dated as when I go back to one of my Batman trades from the 90s even though I completely love those stories in those books like the world's changed something that's written now is going to be so much more reflective of our time and you know what we're going to be heading into whatever the future may uh, is that is instantly going to read better than those books that I have from the 90s even some of the ones from the early 2000s I can't do a power rating, Paul. Sorry. It's okay. I'm like, I don't think I've read enough of them. You've read all of them. You... <laughs> Have we read all of them? We've yes. read all of them. I don't rem. Yeah, but don't laugh at me because we all don't remember Cobblepot being shot by. Elf. Yeah, but we we also didn't like that book, so I don't. And then also we read it like eight years ago. <laughs> And Teen Titans was like, oh, they were all grown in a lab. Yeah, yeah. The Teen Titans, the Teen Titans, and I think that that first Batman one, which I think if you read all three, like all three Batman books, I think it would be better. Wait, all three Batman well, books, as we Are said, they they're working on it. They were almost. They were two thirds the way two-thirds of the way done, and then they started doing Doomsday Clock together. So there's another, that third volume is coming out hopefully soon. Uh, But I think sitting down and reading all of those together, I think would do this book justice versus getting a copy in volume one in 2002, 2015, getting volume two, and then volume three and 2020, 2021, 2022, whenever it comes out. Like I think reading all those together, you would say, well, that's a great beginning to Batman story. Uh, and I think the green lantern one, Unfortunately, you have just lost the whole audience. Like during the time that was going to pick up Batman. Yeah. Story. Yeah. Cause it's, it, it took, aged out. it took 10 years for all of them. Uh, but he also so the ten-year-old that first picked it up is now a twenty-year-old and no longer cares. And I actually think the only one we haven't read is Wonder Woman Volume Two. Don't worry, guys, that'll be my next pick. Uh, but is it out? If, I don't know. I, mean, I, I should look into it. If you guys have an opinion on uh, on these, let us know over on the Facebook. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to us. Tell a friend. Tell your friends friend uh then do other stuff i don't do whatever you want i don't care <laughs>